Welcome to That's a Wrap, episode number 28. And I am Nick Schlegel. And I'm Chris Cullen. All right. And we are three guys with PhDs who like to talk about film and media and other interesting things. Uh, we're recording on the evening of uh, October 15th, 2014. And today we are going to bring you uh, our top 10 movies of the millennium. Millennium. <laughs> yeah. The millennium. So that's exciting. Uh, you know, I was at the bar with my friend Rob, Rob here in uh, here in Michigan, mm-hmm. and we were talking about Snowpiercer, and I said, he says, oh, have you seen Snowpiercer? And I said, yeah, we actually did an episode on it. I said, did you listen to it? And he's like, oh, I only listen to your top five episodes. I don't... <laughs> and then he started, <laughs> proceeded to start talking about the top five episodes um when he's listened to every single one of them so rob this is for you we're gonna do a top 10 not just top five but top 10 films yeah so there put that in your in the bank or whatever um so but before we get to the top 10 best films of the millennium uh we're gonna do pickups which is our little uh, chat thing. Before we do that, I should remind everybody that we are. You can reach us on Facebook. Just search, search for That's a Wrap. You can find us on Twitter at um, Rap Podcast. And uh, if you're listening on iTunes, we would really appreciate a review. We haven't had a review in a while, and we'd like to see some of those coming through because uh, it helps you know kind of float us to the top of the iTunes pyramid or something. I don't know, but you should do it because it helps us. So please, thank you. Um, <laughs> what's new with you guys? Anything? All right. Uh, been very busy couple of weeks, a uh, few weeks, um, with regular regular school stuff, which is going great. Uh, spent a weekend uh, last weekend last weekend in New Orleans uh, for the Popular American Culture Association, the South Conference, and that was a very very good conference. Very productive. New Orleans is also a great eating city. So uh brought some pralines back and enjoyed those and uh had some had some great food and great papers and great great networking. So that was that was good and school's going fantastic. It's it's going great. Great students, great department. Um fall is uh kind of starting to really hit its stride here in New England. So the the drive is certainly getting more and more beautiful by the day. We've had a bit of an Indian summer, which is a little bit strange. Um, this week, it's been kind of in the 70s, which has been unusually mild. Uh, but next week, it's supposed to get uh, the lows are supposed to be close to freezing. So I've had I have people telling me that it, we we could see snow before the uh, before uh, too long. So <laughs> nice. Gotta break out the cross country skis. So. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's it's things are going really well Good. busy yeah, but really really well here too i keep wearing a coat outside and realizing it's like 70 <laughs> degrees and going what am i wearing this coat for yeah. <laughs> i've done that a couple times yeah it was b- balmy you know balmy yeah that's a good word especially for october 
uh yeah that's cool that sounds like fun um what about you nick i just got back from columbus where i had been visiting a close friend and um had a wonderful time watched a lot of movies as i always do um some in uh mark's basement which is a sort of a 16 17 seater you know uh all with all those big, huge, um, reclining, big, fat, you know, uh, suede couches that recline and hold your popcorn, and they have a ton of those. <laughs> and it's stadium seat in, stadium, so they're all, you know, they all go upwards uh, by about six inches, you know, with, with each row. And then some of my friend, my other friend Dave's uh, basement, which is a 16-millimeter theater, uh, and he owns a tremendous amount of actual 16 millimeter films, mostly two reelers. Um, and we watch those in his basement. And there's no, it's very old school, no DVD, no nothing, just projector. And we watched a lot of movies. It was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Um, and what else is going on? Well, I just inch closer and closer to finishing the book, you know. Uh, oh, not much remains. I need to. Not, not much remains left to do. One thing I have to do is start the indexing, and there's some software out there that I'm going to uh, download a f- trial basis. Any listeners out there, any authors who can recommend uh, indexing software to me, that's appreciated. I'm going with, uh, I forget their name, but they have a a free trial and then a $79 buy for it, buy uh, a price, but it's a it's a one-time only deal. You know, it's it's like the Mission Ex- in, Impossible uh, tapes. They <laughs> explode when you're done. So. so you spend 79 bucks and you can only use it for one book? Right, because the, uh, exactly, it's a, it's a one-time, Ouch. you know, yeah. And, but that's, but the, the other indexing software is run around 500 bucks. So. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so this one uh, seems to have some good reviews and it's that time, you know, I need to, and everything else is shaping form. I'm, I just secured the last uh, image permissions that I needed for it. All the consent forms are in. I have all my artwork. Um, I'm finishing. I've got about 20 pages left to write in one chapter. You know, it, it's it that done. Awesome. <laughs> it just needs. Awesome. Congrats, just needs man. In, it need, well, it's not there yet. I need to index and I need to finish this one chapter. But that's about wow. it. Wow. That is absolutely fantastic. Thank you. And I also, oh, in the interim, I was invited to to um, submit a chapter. I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast or not. Submit a chapter uh, to a book on the uh, on the works of Jess Franco, which is, uh, um, and I'm I've chosen to, which is being uh, co-edited by our pal uh, Dr. Ian Olney, who we had here on the podcast. Last year, uh, when we we talked about his book Euro Horror, and um, I am writing on uh, Jess Franco's um, West German co-productions in his Krimi output, uh, so I can explain that in an upcoming episode. But uh, it's an un- really under underwritten area of his work, and uh, interestingly enough, there are three books coming out on Jess Franco right now. Stephen Thrower's got one coming out; he's just finishing it up. I'm I understand that uh, our pal. Tim Lucas over at Video Watchdog is is doing a book as well, and then there's the one I'm attached to, which is uh, 
um, uh, an edited volume, which is and it's more scholarly in nature. In fact, Indiana University Press is is probably the press that will be printing it. So it's great. It's going to be a you know that's great. That press. is that is fantastic. That's a lot of a lot of good work. That's Thank you. It is it is it is uh, ironic that as I sort of leave academia, I wind up you know on, on the uh, washed up <laughs> on the shores of a tier one university press. <laughs> you'd think you'd think you'd you'd it's a bit strange, but um, that I'd be publishing much when I'm walking away from it all. So strange. Funny how that happens, huh? The world's a strange place. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Oh, I'm doing it for me now, so not not to get a job. Yeah, it's a very different. Uh, it's a very different situation doing something for for you and for yourself than for some other uh, mm-hmm. for some other purpose, you know. And I think a lot of as you know, you know how I feel about academic writing. A lot of it is is written in order to do something else, in order to get a job, right. keep a job, get tenure, and stuff like that, and. You know, the best in the best of worlds, you're doing it both for you and for that. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're all in different places on that for sure. But that is great. Yeah, I think it's um, you know, I've read uh, portions, I think, of of early drafts of the book, and and it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to it. Well, thank you very much. So, yeah, I don't have anything quite as exciting going on myself. Uh, no travel, unlike you guys, and uh, <laughs> nothing uh, really in the in the works. I mean, just the same the same work I've been doing. The semester's been been a little rough, little little. You know, you know how it goes. Um, at that, we're at that sure. stage of the of the uh, semester. I did finish the killing. Um, which I watched on Nick's Yay! suggestion, and that was good. Uh, it was a good series. Now I've got that weird, uh, you know how it is when you finish a series? Uh, it happens when you finish a novel as well, Oof. and you're in that between stage, and you're like, I don't feel like starting something new, uh, but I feel weird because now I have this, like, 44-minute... <laughs> Gap of time? Yeah, this 44-minute hole in my evening, you know? <laughs> I don't know what to do. And, sure, but, uh, sure. But tell the tell the listeners what you're reading now. Well, hold on. I'm not on that yet. I'm still talking about the... the oh, okay. <laughs> still talking about TV. Um, Sorry. Actually, I wasn't really still talking about TV. I, just <laughs> I was just saying that what I've been doing instead of, of that is just going to bed early, <laughs> which is all I've been doing no, lately. It's not but, too exciting. Yeah, I know, right? Um Although I think I'm going to start watching, uh, rewatching Twin Peaks because uh, that exciting mm-hmm. announcement that everyone's heard by now that they're going to, you know, start it back up in 2016 on Showtime. So yes, and this is a good time of year to watch it, I think too. But uh, yeah, and then I also started reading um, Salem's Lot based on again Nick's, Nick's suggestion. I don't know if we talked about this before. I think we have, but I up until recently I had never read any Stephen King. Yeah, I, th- I think we talked about this, but maybe not. But we yeah, we have we have mentioned you have mentioned it. Yeah, so I read The Shining, yeah. and now um, Nick Nick sent me some really funny texts a while ago. Uh, I thought maybe he was drunk or something, but um, he said <laughs> basically the gist of it was if you don't read Salem's Lot in October, we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> the gist of the <laughs> of the uh, text. I was like, well, I guess I better get on that. Hate to lose a friend, you know. <laughs> so um, it's been- kind of like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. If, you, if you're not here in five minutes, you can find a new best friend. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Right. Yeah. So. Well, I know he wanted to watch, and I, I know he wanted to read another King because he liked The Shining so much. That's correct. So I thought, 
Well, my favorite King novel is Salem's Lot. And it's actually the favorite of many, 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 many Stephen King fans. And I thought, man, there is no better time to read Salem's Lot than this fine month of October, of Shocktober. Shocktober. So, yeah, that's, so I, I was like, read it or never talk to me again. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So I am, and that's good, and I like it. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. That guy can set a scene, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. He can he can set a scene and he can set up characters. It's 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 really uh, it's really quite a. Feat. Oh, his character development is insane. What really bothers me about King uh, is that it's like Carrie, The Shining, and Salem's Lot were all written in his mid mid twenties. Uh, and when I look at a, a a book like say Salem's Lot, and I think of like the place, I think of where I was about twenty six when he wrote that twenty five twenty six. And I just wasn't capable of my my worldview wasn't sophisticated enough to pull off, and my my knowledge of like you know human behavior and sociology and psychology was so so rudimentary that I I mean I I could not pull off characters like that, or or any with any sort of verisimilitude in my mid twenties, you know. That's a really good point. I was writing in my twenties. Um, mm-hmm. and I'd like to think that it was pretty good, uh, at least at the time I thought so. I, mm-hmm. I'll have to dig some up. I'm sure it's around, but I'll bet you, I mean, no, nothing like what, what he's doing. That's a really good point. At 26, to write these really well-rounded characters and this really, uh, the setting that you can picture and smell and, you know, and really understand. I mean, that's, that's quite a feat. He's got, he's got quite a gift for sure. Yeah. A, a great ear and a great eye. Yeah. That he can pull off writing characters who are 80 or 20 of different, mm-hmm. of both genders and, yeah. and in all sorts of different walks of life. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, mark of a, of a, of a true writer. Yeah. Sometimes you read something. Um, real- and I just wanted to add something. Go ahead. Eric, which was, uh, what you were talking about uh, a few minutes ago in relation to when you finish something, whatever it may be. And, I am experiencing a massive postpartum right now with uh, the newsroom, and uh, maybe we can even do a, an, epi- uh, an episode devoted to the newsroom, because I think since we've all taught, you know, uh, basically political political economy of, of media, um, we it, it's a show that's written, you know, partic- in particular with some with people like us in mind who are really keenly aware of the the ownership paradigms in in the political landscape of and the you know the ownership of the news um and the show does it extraordinarily well and it's really converted me over to to be an, an, a full-fledged Aaron Sorkin fan when <laughs> previously I was sort of a you know halfway Aaron Sorkin <laughs> case fan. by case um <laughs> case case by case scenario he sometimes really blew me away and other times I wasn't sure how I felt and and so uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, the last season starts in like a couple weeks, so it's a really pathetically short six six episodes or something like that. But okay, just wanted to toss that. Yeah, out I'll there. check that. Maybe we could even do an Aaron Sorkin episode. That's not a bad idea because I really because li- I actually really liked uh, the West Wing. I know. Well, the problem with the West Wing is I I I never finished it. You know, I never watched enough of it to finish it. So I oh, you got to finish it. It's a great series, it. especially when you seasons. compare it to House of Cards. It's a lot of seasons to, to try yeah, to I've, I've, It's it's an investment. It's West the West I will not lie. West I think there was eleven or twelve seasons. Yeah. It it is a time investment, but it is one well well worth it, especially if you like political drama. I believe I walked away sometime after Sheen 
what he was replaced by what Jimmy Smith's, right? I think, mm-hmm. isn't that? Yeah, yeah. I think that's about when I left. Well, the show. I'd be happy to do a, a show on Aaron Sorkin. I don't think we have to have the whole eleven seasons of the West Wing canon under our belts, all three of us, to do that, right? No, 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 no. I think we could we could no. get away because I have no intention of watching it uh, anytime soon. Um, and, <laughs> and if you wanted to wait for me to finish it, we'd you know we'd be in episode ninety before we. Uh, <laughs> Before we got through this thing, but yeah, that would be that actually would be a pretty good episode, I think, to to do. Well, you if know? you guys did wind up watching the um, the pilot of the newsroom, I think it would draw you hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I've heard. I haven't seen the newsroom. I've heard good things about the pilot. So, and now from you, I've heard good things about the rest of the season. But a lot of people, well, people have differing opinions about that. But I haven't seen any. All I've seen is that speech. Uh, one of the speeches you see on YouTube once in a while that people circulate. Sure, that's a damn good. I know sure he's know. good at writing those those good good speeches that are little little YouTube bits that uh, that people circulate. I've actually started watching Transparent on Amazon Prime, which is amazing with Jeffrey Tampor. I know the show. I'd love to watch it. I just don't have Amazon phenomenal, Prime. phenomenal. Uh, I'm I I'm 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 loving the show so much that I actually may share my Amazon Prime password with you guys so you can watch it. <laughs> That'd be good because I'm broke. Yeah. I have, <laughs> that's why I don't have Amazon. I have Prime, Prime but um, I, I don't have, have time. Prime, but yeah, maybe that's what I'll do in, to finish to fill this void. But yeah, because I've heard good things about yeah, that as well. much yeah. transparent. Yeah, phenomenal. Cool. I got my PS3 fixed, so yeah, I've heard I can great watch things, things about again it. on my TV. Oh, good. <laughs> so, that's good. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff to put in the queue. Uh, today we're going to talk about our top ten uh, movies of the millennium, though. So uh, we should probably get to that. It's going to be a it's going to yes. be a long episode. Anything else you guys want to say before we uh, sign off and go to uh, segment one, which is the only segment uh, of this of this? Scooty Puff Junior. song. What? Sorry, what? that was my Scooty. <laughs> you said anything I else I wanted to say, and I suddenly. Suddenly, Fry yelling one more thing. Scooty Puff Junior. Song. You'd have to see the episode to know what I'm talking about. Futurama franchise. Oh, it's so good. About. Okay. The only thing I would say is uh, just get on the website and tell us your top ten. If you agree, disagree. If you think we're full of it, if you think we're brilliant, say something. Yeah. Comment. Yeah, let us know. We wanna we wanna hear what you what you knuckleheads have to say. That's not very nice. Amen. Should probably edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. no. Well, I like it that. Said, it said with the the utmost three stooges yeah, allegiance. And, and, uh, That's right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We look forward to hearing what people have to say about these uh, about our about our top tens. So, all right, great. Let's get into it.
10 films of the millennium so far. Uh, we initially, so I'll just set this up real quick. So Nick, Nick came up with this idea, and he's like, let's do our top five movies of the millennium. And my initial reaction was, that's crazy. It's way too broad, you know? And he was like, oh, well, it's no broader than the TV show one we did. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. And then I started trying to make my list. <laughs> and I realized, how many how many TV shows come out in a year? A couple dozen? Dozens, maybe? How many movies come out in a year? Hundreds? <laughs> it's so broad. So uh, we, we decided to move it to ten. And But what we're going to do is we're going to zip through our ten through six. And then, as we do in That's a Wrap fashion, go round robin on the remaining five. So... Sound good to everybody? Sounds yes. good to me. All right. Um, so, I don't have mine in a strict order, but I have them kind of, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I just want to be on record as saying that <clears throat> this is a ridiculous exercise <laughs> <laughs> because it's so it's so hard and there's so many movies and i know there are movies i've forgotten that one of you will have and i'll be like oh my gosh i feel so stupid for not having that of course i said that every time we do a top five i guess but and i don't know about you guys but there's gonna be some overlap too with some of the other top fives we've done could be Perhaps. for me for me there is for me there is i'm just gonna yeah. tell you that straight up um so there you go but that's that's to be expected, perhaps. I also uh, limited mine to uh, narrative fiction films, not documentaries. Oh, I guess I should have been clear about that. I, I meant uh, narrative as well as non-narrative were, were legit. Yeah, well, I, I limited mine to narrative fiction okay. only, not, not, not non-narrative fiction and, and no documentary. I did so. include documentary. Yeah. Okay, I'm just telling you. Like, I mean, I, I thought about it. There's one in particular that I had that it was a documentary on there, and I was like, eh, I'm just going to leave that off. It was just a decision that I made, okay. you know, not to do that. So um, I'll put it in my honorable mention. So, okay, so 10 through 6, who wants to go first? Well, I can start since uh, it was my idea. Do it. it was your idea, um, Nick. Go for it. And it's true. I will respond to what Eric said a minute ago about <laughs> how many films – you know, come out a year versus how many television shows. But in all fairness, I, you know, I don't see as many, I don't see that many films. Um, what I'm trying to say is maybe a dozen films come out a year that I see. See, and there's a, so, so if there's maybe a dozen television shows that come out, I may only see 12 films in a given year in a theater or 12 films that came out that year. You guys follow what I'm trying to say? I think yes. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyhow. So you're, you're estimating that you see 12 new films a year? Yeah. About that. About one a month. I mean, how many do I go to? Holy cow. Just a couple. And, well, how many do you see, though? Uh, not many. I think the podcast but. has helped keep me more, you know, juiced in the, <laughs> the current situation. Cause, <laughs> That's uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, not that many. Eric, you definitely see more films in a year than I yeah. do. How so. about you, Chris? What, how many do you think you see? I think I'm probably um, between the two of you. Um, I think I see more than Nick. I think I see many, maybe about three. Now, now, this is just watching new films. This is not actually going to the theater, right? Mm -hmm. uh, probably three to four per month. Okay. Three that's, to four that's, per month. That's pretty substantial. 
Um, I don't know how many I see a year. I I see a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, I probably go to the theater probably about a dozen times a year, maybe more. And I'll and I'll see new releases on DVD probably. This is a good question. I don't know. It's toughy. I know I'm less than probably both of you. I mean, I watch an inordinate number of films, but I talking about just new releases. It's low. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think um, for me, it's like in the summer I don't see a whole lot, but like come Oscar season, of course, I try to see every Oscar-nominated film. So I'll end up going between October and maybe mid-January. I'll probably end up in the theater a, lot. a dozen times, yeah, I know. and then I'll watch a bunch of stuff on DVD as well. And but then there, are, then I'll go a whole month without seeing a new movie. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I probably see forty or fifty, maybe a year. Yikes! Wow, I, I guess that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That is that's, a lot. That's, about, that's like three or four a month. Same as you, Chris. Three or four a month. That's uh, thirty-six to forty-eight. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I, I guess I never, <laughs> I never, I never sat down and thought, well, how many, how many new films do I see a year? I mean, when you I put started it a way. list last year. Last year, I started a spreadsheet of every <laughs> new movie I saw, but I like Which, stopped yeah, a great idea. halfway through February. <laughs> I totally forgot to keep adding to it, so I stopped. The, I started a notebook. Like I, I actually yeah. had a mo- yeah, I had a little. The moleskin has an actual film notebook, which is really cool, and I use it for notes and stuff like that, and teaching films, and I use it mm. for films that I new films that I was seeing. But I kind of, I lost track. <laughs> kind of stopped filling it in. Well, I'll tell you what. I think after uh, I'll, I'll go ten through six real quick, and then like maybe when we're all done, I'll get into um, a couple of honorable mentions and stuff like that. Uh, I'm debating whether or not I should tell you guys. You remember when we did our Woody Allen episode and we sort of like did the gimmies for uh, like Manhattan and Annie Hall? Remember that? I like think we so. said, what do you mean? Well, when we said like if we were going to recommend a film to a Woody Allen a film to a newbie, what would we recommend? Barring Annie Hall and Manhattan and stuff like that, because they're so oh. obvious. <laughs> yeah, I have like yeah. two films that I just didn't include because they were kind of my gimmies. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so I'll explain that much later because I because may, they may be on your list and I don't want to steal any thunder. So okay. I will just start with my number 10. OK, guys. So number 10 for me was Casino Royale, the uh, 2006 relaunch of the Bond franchise, which I thought was so expertly done. Eric never finished it. I'm pissed at him for that. He needs to go back and finish it. Chris and I watched together. I know Chris enjoyed it very much. I Loved thought it. it was just a phenomenal relaunch of one of America's, well, the world's. I shouldn't say America's. It's, it's Britain's treasures, but one of the world's treasures. My number nine was, and I'm feeling very sentimental about this, The Perks of Being a Wallflower was my number ninth uh, film of the new millennium. Number eight was Terry Malick's The Tree of Life. And number seven was the Wreck series out of Spain. Uh, specifically, if just one film I have to choose would be Wreck, but I'm kind of referencing the series there. And my number uh, six is The Fog of War. And so, guys, okay. those are my ten through six. Great. Um, do you, should we respond now or should we go through all three of them? Uh, I think while they're fresh in your head, you might want to do them now. Yeah, uh, my uh, the documentary that I would have put on was would have been uh, Man on Wire uh, uh, for mine, <laughs> um, which I which I think is a splendid documentary. 
Um, yeah, well, Perks of Being Wildflyer doesn't surprise us, right, Chris? Since not that at was all. Our first, first episode. Right, uh, yeah. Casino Royale is not a huge surprise. No surprise um, there. Yeah. Um, I, I, we're, we're, I, we probably won't be surprised by any of our 10th right. sixes, actually. And then, <laughs> right? yeah, Tree of Life, but, Wreck, and the Fog of War are the other three. So it's yeah, uh, yeah. no big surprise. I had Tree of I had Tree of Life on my uh, top ten, and it just it just hit eleven. It it, it just fell off the list uh, just before we started recording. Oh, me too. Uh, wow! So last but, minute switch. <laughs> it's an all mine's, yeah, mine's an honorable mention for Tree of but Life. But it's yeah, it's such a good film, such a good film. And the Rex series, I actually saw the first Rex film, mm-hmm. and I was scared. <laughs> oh man, that was. I mean, I it's doesn't doesn't take much for me, but I really like that film as well. Those are those are good good top six. Um, well, the Rex series, I mean, obviously, because, I mean, I'm a scholar on, of Spanish cinema. That's the topic of my book, for God's sakes. And it was yeah. a really, really hugely successful relaunch for Spain in, in that particular genre uh, mm-hmm. for the new millennium. And it was so well done. We've got the fourth ones coming out. It takes place aboard a ship, guys. So buckle I'm excited up. about that one. Yeah, I'm really up. excited. Yeah. I might see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Um, so there's my 10 through 6, guys. All right, cool. Um, I'll go next. Sure, go for it. All right, cool. We can flip a coin if you want. Um, I've got Scott Pilgrim versus the World. <laughs> not surprisingly, at number ten. Um, although, I mean, these aren't <laughs> in any strict order. Let me tell you, because Scott Pilgrim is actually, I don't know, it could be number three. <laughs> but I love Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I watch it twice this week with my classes. I just love that film. Although I, I have some problems with it. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless yeah. Mind at number nine. No surprise. Okay, no surprise. Um, I've got Inception at number eight. Mm-hmm. Although, like, there's a part of me that thinks I should re- replace Inception with Tree of Life, but <laughs> I really liked Inception a lot. Um, at number seven, I've got Pan's Labyrinth. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I guess it's Spanish horror too. Mm-hmm. And um, at number, or more fantasy, I guess. And at number five, I I'm sorry, at number six. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, at number six, I have Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Um, mostly because it's it's a really good adaptation of of a novel that people had such expectations about, right? It's one of those novels that you don't want to adapt because you know people are going to shit on it, you know? Sure. And people didn't, and it was a great adaptation. And I think it really set the stage for a lot of cinema that came after it. So um, that's why that's why that's number six. Although again, not a strict order. So, so again, Scott Pilgrim, Eternal Sunshine, Inception, Pan's Labyrinth, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, the surprise for me on that list is uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Um, me I, too. I had toyed with putting that on there. It's a film I've written about quite a bit, and obviously, it deals directly with the Spanish Civil War, directly with it. So, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I did. I wasn't so. Sh- I didn't know that you were that big of a fan of it. So I'm really. It's such a good film. I that's love that. Fantastic. Film. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other films, uh, yeah, they they did not come as. But I mean, Chris and I know you very well, so uh, yeah, they're they seem like uh, fantastic picks to me. Uh, there is some overlap, and uh, in some in some ways, so yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eternal Sunshine. You know, I watched that last week with my class, and it's just, uh, it just gets me every time. And, uh, you know, I'm so fond of Scott Pilgrim. So, And that's that, Chris. Good choices. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess there's probably going to be some 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 overlap. Uh, my number 10 is a German film called Schultze Gets the Blues. Hmm. I've never Adore even it. heard of it. Pardon me? 
No, no, I haven't even heard of it. Oh, it's a wonderful film. Uh, uses uh, a lot of accordion music, a lot of zydeco. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'll be um, or uh, I, I'm going to be heading down to New Orleans soon, Not and uh, which uh, is home to my favorite genres of music: zydeco and Dixieland. So, uh, Schultz gets the blues is just a fun German film, very very quietly done and beautiful. Uh, number nine is actually only Lovers Left Alive, the oh, film wonder. we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, <clears throat> number eight is um, There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, number seven is a documentary. Um, it's This Film Is Not Yet Rated. Oh, yes. Oh, oh I love Great. that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. adore <laughs> that film for so many reasons, for so many reasons. Um, and number six is, uh, n- not surprising, uh, I have two of these films on my list uh, because it is the genre of specialization, and it's a musical, and it's the musical Once, which uh, mm-hmm. was a, oh, an yeah. amazing, yeah. It, it was an amazing film because it was also, it was, it was, it was independent, and the, um, the main song from it beat Disney, uh, two Disney songs yes, at the Oscars. Um, I own that movie too. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was good, very, really very, nice. very yeah. proud of this film. I like that. And they've made an adaptation for Broadway, uh, which I would like to see. Um, so those mm. are those are those are uh, ten through six. Schulte gets the blues. Only lovers left alive. There will be blood. This film is not yet rated. And uh, once kind of a a nice yeah. little grab bag of different films. Um, many surprises there for me. Pardon me. The only reason. I said many, no, I many surprises on there. Okay. The uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, the only reason I didn't put that on is because I've only seen it once. Mm-hmm. You I know what I mean? That. I wanted I to give it some that. time, but I think if we do this in a year, that will be on my list yeah. probably. Once is a great movie. Love uh, once. Rebecca made me watch it. Yeah. And um, it's a nice, small, kind of quiet film with good music. Yeah, great it's a good music one. and so, right. A lot of the music, uh, a lot of the film. films on my top list are um, films that actually don't rely on a lot of dialogue. As a matter of fact, um, my number one film has almost no dialogue. So I like films that 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 rely on creating a rich tapestry of sound, um, but also just using beautiful cinematography to tell the story. And Schultze gets the blues is really nice about that with the sound, and same with only. Uh, there will be blood. I mean, there's just such great cinematography. And for that, the, you know, the opening, um, for several minutes, there is no dialogue. It's just, it's just, yeah. Um, diegetic sound. So I have a feeling we'll be talking about that a little later. So, uh, Oh, Oh, (laughs) okay. So, so, um, so that's, that's, that's my, that's my, that's, that's true. Yeah. I don't know the Schultz gets the blues. I'm going to look that up. I've never even heard of it. Now that's not like Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's heroes gets the blues, right? No, 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 no. I'm feeling blue. Hogan? It's not the, the Snoopy Schultz, is it? <laughs> no, it's about a, a, a rotund German man who plays the accordion who has the opportunity to go to the United States and uh, play Zydeco in New Orleans. And it's just, it's, oh, a, cool. it's a beautiful film. It's about um, taking, taking a chance and changing your tune. And it, there's, a, there's a lot to it. And it, I mean, it barely got noticed outside of the United States oh. or outside of Germany. Huh. Um, wow. Yeah, hardly anybody in the U.S. knows about this film, but um, from a musical perspective, it's a very, very special film for me. Yeah, so far I think we only have two foreign films out of these fifteen: My Wreck and your uh, Schultze, right? 
right? Uh, Pan's, Pan's, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth, I think, is a co-production. Yeah, I didn't... Well, I mean, I, I stuck a lot towards Hollywood films for yeah. some reason. So did Not I. on purpose, but... It wasn't yeah, on, on purpose, purpose for but, me either, but uh, yeah. only, I think, two purely foreign films, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah. Okay, so number... Uh, what's your number five, Nick? Okay, so now we're into the... Uh, into the real grist here. So my number five is, um, well, I uh, I watched it once and a half, Eric, and I knew <laughs> I, I knew, God damn it, I knew that only only lovers left alive, <laughs> lovers left alive. Yeah. had left such uh, indelible imprint on me that I I you know it's like where have you been for me the last fifteen <laughs> years? You know, like I've been waiting for a movie just like this. Uh, you know, despite even the, the real minor shortcomings that we talked about in our last episode of things that, uh, you know, just to be nitpicky, I think it, it, uh, I don't guess I don't have to say much about it guys, because, um, you know, we said it all last, uh, last podcast. Last yeah, really. Yeah. It's, um, yep. it's just a perfect film for me. And, um, so it's my, it's my number five. I don't disagree with you guys. I just wanted to give it some time. <laughs> so, um, okay, I'll do we'll, do, we'll do the same order for this one, then we'll switch order for the next one. Um, my number five is uh, The Departed. It's uh, Scorsese's The Departed. Uh, it's, uh, it's a very complex film. You know, great performances, by, especially by Jack Nicholson and by Leonardo DiCaprio and um, by Mark Wahlberg. The, the music is really, really well chosen and, and well integrated in the film. It's got, uh, you know, lots of twists and turns that you don't see coming. And it's, uh, I mean, it's long, but it doesn't feel long. Mm -hmm. And uh, that end, uh, which I talked about in our top five ending, so I won't get into that right now. But, um, yeah, this part is my number five. Nice. I still Good have choice. not seen it. You have seen still it? Still have not seen it. Still have not seen it. Yeah. Well, put it on the list. Yes, yeah, so I better get on that. <laughs> Chris? Uh, my number five is actually an overlap with Nick's, and that is uh, John Balaguerro and Paco Plaza's Wreck. Oh, fantastic. Oh. The, the original. Uh, I, I liked Wreck 2 and Wreck 3. Wreck 2 a little bit more than Wreck 3. Oh, I'm um, the opposite, actually. Really? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, we've talked about this. Uh, the original, though, still holds the greatest amount of love. It's a fun film. It's 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 short, but it packs such a punch. And um, Nick brought me to this film, and I I remember sitting watching this film with Nick mm -hmm. uh, with the lights off, <laughs> and I was it, it was great because I this film, yeah, it, it takes a lot to get me to jump, but boy, this film had me jumping. And uh, I've recommended it to so many people, and um, I've uh, it's it's I love it. I just it's it's just it's what a horror film should be. Yeah, yeah. And for listeners, that's R E C. Yeah, as in as in record, <laughs> as in record, wreck. Yeah, yeah, as in record. And there was a there was an American film. Oh, quarantine. Uh, it was terrible. Yeah, quarantine. Is that what it was? Quarantine. Yeah, it was yeah. god awful. They, don't don't I, see quarantine. I have no. I have no. I gave up after quarantine. about ten minutes with quarantine. Of quarantine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick is Rick is good. That's cool. It's okay, so number, five. number four. Let's go, um, Chris, me, Nick. This time okay. we'll go in reverse order. Great. So my number four. I actually just uh, screened a portion of this last week in my intro to film class. 
and it is Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris. Uh, nice mm. choice. A film that I can watch over and over again, and I never get tired of it. I have listened to the soundtrack so many times on iTunes that that is what they default recommend to me <laughs> uh, to listen to. <laughs> yeah, when I just do you know random or recommendations. I I fell in love with that film, Hook, Line, and Sinker. Uh, the nostalgia, the mise-en-scene of Paris, the performances of everybody. And even if you don't like Owen Wilson, uh, his performance is wonderful. Everything about it, I, 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 I love that film. And it, it, to me, that is quintessential uh, Woody Allen. Uh, it, you know, he, he does these love letters to cities, to Manhattan. And all of that, and I think that was his love letter to Paris. Mm-hmm. It's what the movies should be. Um, it, it's it's everything that you love about a Woody Allen movie, and uh, I just I adore. It. As a matter of fact, I'll probably put on the soundtrack tonight uh, after we're done. Yeah, that's a, it's such a good film. It's um, it you know it's a love letter to Paris, but <clears throat> it also has that other layer of of the of nostalgia and the dangers of nostalgia. Right, you know, of 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 trying to, you know, kind of um, idealize a past that you were not part of, mm-hmm. and I think that's huge. And I'm not a big Owen Wilson fan; I don't love him, but he is great. He yeah. really does a great job in that film. Oh yeah, I, I he agree does. with Fantastic. you completely. That's such a good film. Great choice. Um, yeah, that is a great choice. Now we uh, we talked about that on the. Um, on the Woody, the Woody Allen, Allen episode. Thing. So if, if listeners are interested, they can listen to a full podcast on Woody Allen uh, if they want to go back to episode number 11. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, great choice, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, wonderful film. It's funny how much overlap we have because we're, I mean, we're obviously, we know each other and we have similar tastes. That's why we're doing this podcast yeah, together. there's but, a lot. So I guess it shouldn't be a surprise, but, you know, given <laughs> the number of films, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Yes, um, it is yeah, funny when you think about the hundreds of films in the last we're 15, arriving at the same decisions for a lot of this 14 stuff. years. Yeah, several of yeah. us getting to the same same choices. Yeah. Great yeah. minds think alike, right? Yeah. Indeed. When you said love letter to a city, I was thinking of uh, I can't remember what it's called the um the Vim Vendors movie about uh it's set in Portugal. Um Lisbon story. Do you know Lisbon story from 1994? No, no I never saw it. No, that. I don't. If you like love letters to cities, uh check out Vendors' Lis- Lis- Lisbon story. It's uh night it's oh, you would love it actually, Chris, cuz it's got lots of great music. It's got mm. some really really Ooh. good music in it. And it's atmospheric, and it's just it all takes place in Lisbon, um, in Portugal, and uh, it's yeah. It, this would be just given three of since three of your things. Like if you like once, you'll like Lisbon story. And, okay. And based on what you just said about uh, uh, Midnight in Paris, it just popped in my head as you were speaking. Um, so yeah, check it out. Put it on your list. It's it's. I will. You'll, you'll you'll love it in particular. I think you'll both like it. Will like it. But Chris, I think you really love that film. I'll Excellent. watch it this weekend. Cool. Cool, great. What's my number four? Uh, I don't know. I gotta pull up my list. Pull up your list, uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> my number four is uh, Synecdoche, New York. Oh yeah, I know you love that movie. I yeah. still haven't seen it. Yeah, you do. So now I've got two films written by Charlie Kaufman. So Eternal Sunshine and and Synecdoche, New York are both written by Charlie Kaufman, but Synecdoche, New York was also directed by charlie kaufman it's his directorial debut 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 um 
and it's it's a, it's a, such a strange film. I don't know if you guys have you guys seen it. Nope. I just remember talking to you like right after you, you like you know the day after you saw it, and we and you were telling me all about it. I yeah. have not seen it either, but I I think you've also mentioned it before. It blew, so totally blew me away, and I, I I've seen it a, a, a few times, and it I still don't understand it, but. Philip Seymour Hoffman plays uh, as a theater director, and he's he gets his like kind of grant or something to make a play, and he's in Schenectady, New York. The movie is called Synecdoche, like the literary device for a part for a whole, like boots on the ground, that sort of thing. Right. Um, that's Synecdoche, right? Well, you know, it's part for a whole, in any rate. And um, actually, I don't think that's a Synecdoche. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but they're in Schenectady, New York, which is spelled differently. Yes, connected in New York, so which is obviously spelled differently. And he decides to make this play. It gets the play gets bigger and bigger to the point where it becomes his whole life in a way. <clears throat> and he ends up hiring this guy to follow him around and be him. And that guy starts sleeping with his wife. It's, it's wife. It's very strange. It's a very very odd film, and it's very labyrinthine. And it has like parts within parts within parts, and and these recurrences that you just. It's really hard to. It's really hard to understand, to be honest with you, but it's a gorgeous film and it's well acted and 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 well written and directed. So it's definitely a, a it's it's up there. So it's my number four, Synecdoche, New York, S Y N E C D O C H E. So bonus points if you can pronounce it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So that's my number four, uh, Nick. Good choice. Yeah, good choice. Um, I had forgotten about that film, and the second you said it, I'm like, oh god, it may brought me back to around 2000. And I'm gonna guess it was around 2006 or seven when it came out because I remember talking to you about it. You had just yeah, seen I it. So, um, okay, that well, sounds about right. The, yeah, because remember we were in grad school at the time. Um, my number four will not be a surprise to either of you, I believe. It is. Um, it it starts off the new millennium. Actually, it's a two thousand film. It's Best Picture two thousand. It is Gladiator. Oh yeah, yep. no surprise yeah. there. No surprise there. <laughs> well, for me, I, I think Gladiator was a uh, a real. You know, it, it kicked off the millennium right, as far as I was concerned. Ridley Scott, to me, is still probably the director that I find is the most fascinating creator of, creator of worlds out there for us to uh, sort of inhabit with him and explore. Um, to me, he's just uh, um, the textures that he creates in these worlds and the, and the situations he puts his char- these characters in. Uh, uh, really, to, to like paraphrase uh, Maximus's um, uh, lines in the movie, they kind of like echo in eternity with you. And I don't know, I don't think either of you have seen it all the way through, have you? No, of course I have. Oh, yeah, you I have, Eric. He's on yeah. the theater. But uh, mm-hmm. Crystal hasn't watched it, as far as I know, because I've been trying to get I, him well, to I watch watched, it. I've watched large portions of it. I watched portions of it with you, and then I watched other large portions on my own, and I've listened to the whole soundtrack... But no, I haven't watched the whole film, film. from beginning to end. Yeah, and, and it's a film that, like most of Scott's films, it has to be. Ex- it's just, there's an experiential factor in there. You kind of have to sort of see it from beginning to end. Right. There's a lot of bookends. That particular narrative is very strongly associated with certain types of 
visual iconography like the wheat in the beginning which becomes a bookend for the the end of the film and and uh i think one of the things is it it caught people by surprise when it won best picture people who hadn't seen it because they just thought oh isn't this some sort of macho nfl sort of like uh blood fest of people beating the shit out of each other well of course it is that's what the gladiator games (laughs) were and to do anything other to them would be a sort of a uh, would be a, a I don't know, a blot on history. You, you know, you can't just put them all out there with daffodils and lilies hitting themselves, hitting each other. That's not going to work. You have to basically uh, show the carnage of what was going on. And there was a lot of talk at the time when the film came out. People, it was a magnet for 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 uh, c- criticism and controversy over its violence. But I think by and large, people got on board with it. And then when it won Best Picture, that really catapulted it. And people thought, wow, Russell Crowe's phenomenal in this. This is a great movie. Um, and it just, for me, it really set the stage for the for the new millennium in terms of filmmaking, uh, the digital effects, and the compositing that we're going into. Like you said, Hans Zimmer's score was just incredible. And Hans Zimmer hits him out of the park. He and sure he did. Really did and, that one. Uh, yeah, you like, know, that's a great soundtrack. And and it was a film that I thought, like, to kind of like paraphrase Zizek, that liberals kind of like uh, and conservatives grasped onto because it was this, this sort of great idea of 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 morality and a moral center and strength and honor and courage. I think what it what's um what's uh, Maximus is uh, uh, strength strength and honor strength and honor he says throughout the whole film that's his motto that's his creed strength and honor and you know what that's not such a bad motto to live by yeah yeah that movie I, I wasn't in, I wasn't in love with it when I first saw it um, that's but I liked what it, was. it. I, I, I respect it, uh, and I and I get it. You know, you know what scene comes uh, comes to me when I think of that film is the scene with the arrows towards the beginning. They're gonna black out the sun or whatever. Oh God, you know yeah, yeah, that's in the very that, beginning. Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. That scene, like that 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 whole scene. That, wow. For some reason, that's the one that comes to mind for me the most in that film. Yeah, they do so. block out the sun as they come raining yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great performance from. Uh, Richard Harris in that too, as as um, as the philosopher, uh, emperor, Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, that was number four. Good number four. Uh, Thank you. Number yeah, great th- number four, Nick. Number three, we did Chris, me, Nick. Right? Mm-hmm. How about we do me, Nick, Chris next? Perfect. Sure. Okay. okay. So number three for me is. Um, well, no, because Chris went first last. We'll do me, Chris, Nick. How's that sound? Okay. No, but Nick was last. It doesn't sure. matter. I'm going to go first. Um, my number three is Django Unchained. Oh. <laughs> I had a feeling it was going to be in there. I didn't realize it was going to be so high. Well, yeah, again, that's pretty this high. Is, this is not a very strict. Um, when you see my number two, you're going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, this is not a very strict uh, order for me. These are like the first. Like, they're. They're ten of the first fifteen films that came to mind, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, I mean, yeah. As far as order, we can quibble a little bit, but like, yeah, should should Django be above Scott Pilgrim? Eh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, should Inception be? Whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Django's my third because um, because it it really blew me away. I was over Tarantino after the Kill Bills. Okay, Kill Bill one, Kill Bill two. I was. Like, I liked Jackie Brown just fine. Kill Bill 1 was, I really, I enjoyed it, but, eh, you know what I mean? It was, it was just too much for me um, in a lot of ways. And I appreciate, 
appreciate Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2, but I was kind of getting over Tarantino. And then when Inglorious Bastards came out, I was I went to the theater to see it because it's Tarantino and because I have, you know, a little bit of loyalty to, you know, in respect for what he has done in the past. So I went and saw Inglorious Bastards because I felt like I had to. I loved Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. I thought when I saw that, I thought Tarantino is back. He's he's back. This is great. So I went to see Django with kind of higher expectations, I guess, and it exceeded even those expectations. Mm-hmm. I really loved that film. It was um, the uh, Christoph Waltz I thought was so good. The scene in the in the saloon where the they're surrounded by the um, the sheriff and all the men. It takes the, the, the so beer. long. <laughs> so the that, beer, yeah, they're having yeah. the beer, yeah. yeah. It's so tense, and it takes so long, and it's true. Like, I mean, that's like Reservoir Dogs level like tension, you know. And uh, it's just, I really, I really love that film. The soundtrack I thought was really interesting and weird. The soundtrack was just strange. Some of it, some of those songs they put over, you know, like the modern tunes, the rap, and the you know the modern modern songs. Very anachronistic, and it works. Mm -hmm. I thought Leonardo DiCaprio was good in that. Um, oh, he's fantastic! I really, I just really enjoyed that film when I saw it. That was probably one of the best films I saw that year. So, um, yeah, so good old Quentin Tarantino is on my list. <laughs> so, with Django Unchained. Well, I would echo everything you just said. I mean, that's kind of my my response to it. Is I, I it didn't make my list, but everything you just said, minus the part about Inglorious Bastards, which I haven't seen, because I gave up on Quentin. I think even long, I gave up on him after the first Kill Bill. Actually, I didn't yeah. even wait. Or, I didn't even stick around for the second. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I. But then when I saw Django, I thought, "This is a mature and confident filmmaker making making, uh, you know, just really, really mesmerizing, captivating cinema like he did twenty twenty five years ago." Uh, and yeah. I thought, you know, um, he's sort of come full circle. I, he took he took some turns into places that I felt were really even more derivative if that's if that's even possible and sort of masturbatory and yeah. uh but he can't, he some, seems to have come back full circle and I'm thrilled and and I'm 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 in Tarantino's game again but it was a <laughs> yeah. it was a tough tough love affair there for a long time yeah I think we feel the same way I own the film I have not yet watched it mm. <laughs> well get on that I man I know I know <laughs> It's my number three. I, I, I lo- I, yeah, I loved I loved Inglorious Bastards and and uh, I actually liked Kill Bill because um, I've actually been a, a pretty decent fan of Tarantino. I I just I I have it. I just never have not. I just haven't gotten the chance to watch it yet. Get on it, man. Get I on will. It. I will. Who wants, who wants to go next? Number I, three. I'll go. Um, go, okay. Nick. This might be a surprise <laughs> for you guys. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, we'll see. Uh, my number three, it's pretty high because I actually spent some time ranking these. So this is pretty high is Saw. Oh, yeah. And and by extension, the Saw franchise of which all of the Saw films are really quite excellent. Uh, Eric, I don't think you've seen any of them, correct? Uh, Nick, you burn me a copy. You said you gotta watch. You have to watch this. Mm-hmm. I put it in my little binder. I still have not watched okay. that films. I'm sorry. I, yeah, you Chris were, watched it with me. I know he did, and he's seen. I think at yeah. least the first three, right? I've seen all of them. Oh, you've seen every. Okay, so um, 
yeah, for me, Saw was just came along at just the right time and sort of revitalized and 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 sort of hit the reset button on the horror genre for the 21st century in a really complex way. I think the the films became again magnets to to um, parents who felt that they were just you know they came up with this term. Uh, torture porn which i thought was uh really irresponsible and unfair inaccurate yeah to conflate torture and porn and talk about actually i mean at the center of these films is, is are, are sort of like ju- questions of justice and ethics and morality it's sort of like sartre on the screen and i think this was lost sort of writ large on culture they just didn't sort of understand what the franchise was going after um in in many ways and i mean that there's not to say that there's no sort of there's not a sense of nihilism to these films there certainly is and to jigsaw's methods but uh ultimately at the core of it is uh is something that i think is really important in culture and um it's you know i thought it was just a fantastic franchise and it's one of those things where i think the culture also was looking at it as in saw five saw six saw seven as just sort of like probably progressively inferior sequels, which was not the case. They wound up. They actually get more sophisticated. They, yes, they 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 actually become even more sophisticated, more intricate, and more sort of grand in their narrative designs. And so, the Saw franchise rates just that high for me. I really, really was blown away by it. Well, if you had said Sartran film, I, I would have watched. Oh, it's same like no day. exits being filmed. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> well, if you had told me that. Yes. Well, you were supposed to watch it and tell me that. <laughs> oh, dang it. Sorry. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. You guys that's know a, that. That's a great choice. Uh, yeah, I've seen them all. I love them. And I, I, um, I still have you, – you got me You got me a copy when you saw two for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And it says on the case, Merry Christmas from Saw. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely adore that whenever <laughs> I great. look at that film. I get a big giggle and a big grin. Merry Christmas from Saw. They're fun. I love these films. They're I, great. I've used them. Uh, I've used them to teach actually because I I use them to talk about ethics and and that kind of the, the the aesthetic part of it. I think Eric, what I'll do is like one week we'll like partition off two weekends, you know, and I'll come over and we'll watch like get some pizza and a bunch of beer and watch like the first three or four movies, and then on a, a subsequent weekend we'll do the remainder, you know. Yeah, okay. it's right. worth it. Trust me, it's worth it. No, I believe you. It now. really is. Now, now that it's on your list, I believe it. I believe you. <laughs> That's funny, Chris. What's your number three? Oh, my number three should not be a surprise to either of you. Uh, it's the second musical on my list. Um, it is the musical that, um, along with Moulin Rouge, helped kick off the resurgence of the live-action musical genre. And is it, it was is it Chicago. It is Chicago. It is Chicago. <laughs> it is the musical that won Best Picture after a uh, a twenty twenty five year hiatus uh, from nineteen sixty eight when Oliver won it, and I I am in love with Chicago. Uh, I have seen the show uh, on stage in numerous iterations. Um, it is uh, Fosse at his absolute best, and the the casting was absolutely spot on. I mean, yeah. Renee Zellweger yep. was was just beautiful in this film, and Catherine Zeta Jones and they're Jones. dancing. Their dancing is just wonderful. And then Richard Gere, I mean, he he's he's so smarmy and sleazy, 
and, and Queen Wiley. Latifah is as you know as Mal, as uh, Matron Mal Morton. I I love everything about the film. It's what a musical should be, and they they preserve because the 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 big problem with so many films, um, m- you know, musicals that get made from their stage counterpart is they lose the real aesthetic of what it's like to see to experience the show on stage. Um, and you know, Rent, Phantom of the Opera, Mamma Mia, all lost it. You know, they all lost that aesthetic when they made the film. They they didn't pay attention to the fact that this was a stage performance, but Chicago didn't lose it. Chicago kept it, and um, it deservedly won the best uh, musical. It is the best musical, uh, really. The, um, I, I mean, I think the three the three top musicals of of twenty to twenty fourteen are easily Chicago once and Sweeney Todd. Um, but Chicago is definitely on my number three list. Um, and again, it's just, you listen to, you listen to like the, the, the various versions on Broadway. I have a, I have the new Broadway cast, which has Anne Reiking. I mean, Anne oh, Reiking. Oh, she's, yeah, that's sake. one of Foss's original girls. Yeah. 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 She's so you know, good. Chris, so as soon as you said, my number three won't be a surprise. <clears throat> I thought Chicago. <laughs> I don't know why you guys know we well because you guys but... know me. You guys because yeah. we because we know each other so well from doing this podcast, <laughs> and we know we yeah. know our tastes and uh, what we like and what we're drawn to. Mm-hmm. And I am drawn to the musical over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I own that. I own Chicago. Me too. I thought, the, I, thought that's, I saw it in the theater when it came out. I thought it was so, great. Yeah. Well, hey, what's your what's your opinion of Les Miserables? Did you see that a couple years? I ago? loved. I saw. Oh, I yeah. saw Les Miserables in the theater. Uh, you know, it, it again. That's that's a film that you know. There, it's a very different experience than seeing it in you know when it was originally on stage. Mm-hmm. It was on a on a revolving platform stage, so it turned as, as you know doing as, from each set piece. But uh, I thought Tom Hooper did the the story and and um, the original Bobel and Schoenberg's original score, uh, real justice. And I love the fact that it was recorded on on the set. Mm-hmm. And the actors uh, just did um, a wonderful job. I mean, all but one, he, right? all but Russell Cro- <laughs> Russell Crowe as Javert. <laughs> Russell Crowe, it just wasn't believable. Yeah. Yeah, he could, work. he didn't yeah. have the musical chops right. for that role. Javert is such a difficult yeah. role to sing. Yeah, that was um, a great film. I, I, I'm, I hadn't thought of it with the top ten, but now I need to rethink it because that's that's probably up there for me. Yeah, last, Nick, did you see Les Miserables? Nope, still haven't seen it. Oh, and I love, like I love it. You know, I mean, yeah, I, you'll yeah. love it. Yeah, I read half the it's... novel when I was eighteen, just like all my no- <laughs> all the novels I read. I read half of them. That's and a then tough. Half that's a tough book to get through, yeah. man. Wow. Yeah, yeah. As a French major, I had to read um, not all of it, but a lot of it. I think, but <laughs> in um, French, in, in French, yeah, yeah in French. Um, Great, yeah, that's a good one, Chicago. I, yep. Yeah, it just made me think of Les Mis. So, uh, number two, should we go on to number two? Indeed. Uh, is that where we're yep. at? Okay. Yeah, that's where we're at. Um, I think I I'm going to go three. last on number one. I know that much. You want to go last on number one? Mm-hmm. Chris, do you want to go first on number two? I can go first. I will. Okay, go ahead. Uh, number two will probably be a surprise for both of you. Um, it's a film uh, that depicts mental illness in the most beautiful way possible uh in the most sensitive way possible and that's a film called Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah, I know the film I still oh, yeah. haven't seen it. Yep. 
Yeah, I, I've watched this film many, many times, and when it comes to social disorders and um, mental illness, and not and not just the way they handle it with the main character, Ryan Gosling is so good as Lars, but the way his family, I mean, after the initial shock that he, you know, falls in love and starts developing a relationship with this real girl, real girl love doll. Um, you know, once they get over that, they embrace him and they embrace her and they really, uh, the film takes a sensitive look at mental illness. It doesn't try and cheapen it. It doesn't turn it into tasteless, tacky ploys, but it cares about its subject matter. It cares about Lars and it cares about the people around him. And it has one of the most amazing endings. Yeah. Um, I, 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 oh, I love it. Um, and I know a lot of people haven't seen it um, because I think they get a little scared off by the title mm-hmm. and the subject matter. But um, it is it is my second best film of the last 15 years uh, mm-hmm. because it is that powerful. It's just so, it's, so it's powerful. It's got a charm to it, too. It's a very charming film, you know? Yeah. It is. It's yeah. charming. I mean, and there are some, there are some funny parts. Um but again, it's 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 very mm-hmm. quietly yeah, it's directed, a, and I I I, yeah, I, I like that, that film too. That. I've got a special place for that film as well. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Um, I just haven't seen it, guys. I've I read a lot about it when it came out. In fact, I even had a copy for a while. I just didn't get along to. It. I think there was a little period there and and around that time in Gosling's career where I wasn't all that interested in him. I think I'd forgotten. In fact, it was probably Blue Valentine that. I think it was Blue Valentine that sort of turned me around. Oh my god, that was such a good film. Oh, why is that not in my top ten? That oh man, see, (laughs) because it's too goddamn depressing. That's why. Uh, Yeah, it's a tough one. Should be in my top ten. It should replace Inception or something. Oh my god, it's so. (laughs) I love that film so much. Blue Valentine. Uh, Oh well, Uh, that'll be my honorable mention, I guess. I'll go. I'll go next. Wait, you want to go last on number one, right, Nick? So why don't you go next? Right. for two. Sure. Then, in fact, I can do this relatively quickly, guys, because my number two is Midnight in Paris. <laughs> That's easy. Oh. <laughs> yes, uh, it's my sort of penultimate of the of the of 2000 2014. It's for all the reasons Chris said, for all the reasons we've talked about on the Woody Allen episode. Had I been writing a screenplay these past several years, I'm guarantee it would have looked a lot like this. Those who know me know that I live in the past. I don't care much for the present and the future. Ugh. So it's sort of like this film is is sort of me in a on on the plate, you know. I mean, it's right there. It's uh, uh, it's 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 uh, it 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 shows like exactly what I would love to do. I would love to just move to Europe and write full time and find my little girl by you know like he does at the uh, (laughs) in the um. The bazaar, you know, in the in the uh, what's the word? What's what's it called, guys? The uh, the record shop. Yeah, but you know the sort of street. Um, uh, I can't think of the word. Help me out here, you know, when you're on the not uh, the arcades, the uh, what, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, what you're about. Well, um, yeah, not the arcade. Everybody knows what I mean, yeah. though. Sort of like the promenade. The restro- yeah, the, it's I can't think of it, but uh, sort of like um, second hand, sh- second hand, you know, <laughs> sort of like street vendor type stuff. The uh, where. You, at any rate and and it's just for it the movie was it's like he sort of peeked into my brain and made a movie just for me it incorporates my love of literature and my love of sort of fantasy 
and it's it's perfect. You know, Midnight in Paris has, in fact, right after we did our top five favorite endings episodes, I made sure to mention in the very next episode, I said, and by the way, you know, this one is like one of my honorable mentions. <laughs> it really should be in the top five because it's it's perfect yeah, film. Great, great. Um, I'll go number I'll go number two, and then I'll go back to back with one as well because my one will be quick. Uh, number two for me is um, one that you probably would would not have guessed because we didn't limit this by genre, which makes it even harder. So um, my number two is the forty year old virgin. <laughs> great, choice. right now. Really funny, so really funny. funny film. Uh, we we've been staying away from comedies, not much in the way of comedy, which which makes sense, I think, a lot. But I think as far as comedies and the new millennium, I think that that movie, Forty Year Old Virgin, kickstarted a whole genre of of comedy that that really reinvigorated the genre. I think in um yeah. yeah since it's been out, I think that a lot of films have tried to copy it, um, mostly unsuccessfully, some successfully. Um, <clears throat> You know, I think that the whole Judd Apatow universe is is it has its problems, but it's you know compelling and funny, and uh, you know, and, and people will probably give me shit for this and make fun of me or or whatever. Especially not having Blue Valentine on my list and having this as number two, but whatever. I, it's it's a film I can go back to over and over and over again. It's funny every time. Um, again, it's got its problems, but it's. I really, I think it's one of the most solid comedies I've ever seen, and certainly um, of that of that type of comedy. Hey, and no one's judging; just own it. <laughs> well, I just did. Didn't that's I? What, you know what? That's that's what Nick told me one time. I was watching I was watching Paranormal Activity three, and mm. and Nick was making fun of me, and I, I he's he's like, you know what? All kidding aside, you like the film; just own it. Who cares what anybody yeah. else says? Yeah, screw yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a yeah, lot of a lot of it. people talk about yeah. guilty pleasures. I don't think there's such a thing, you know. It's like it's it's you know. I that's been my philosophy for I don't yeah. know how long. I think there is no such thing. Why feel guilt for an associated with pleasure? That's bullshit. I agree. Yeah. If you like it, yeah. you like it. Yeah, so that's a, I think that's a great comedy. Um It is. It's perfect. It's, a, it's I remember buying it for Chris years and years ago and 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 saying you guys you got to watch this. This is it's a it's it's a brilliant film and it's everything it's everything you've just said and more and it's only because apatow sort of played himself out i think mm. that uh that 40 year old version i'm sure is sort of like not forgotten but isn't more isn't name checked more often uh among you know, like things to watch on a on a friday night or a saturday night because it did set off this copycat glut of yeah. other studios trying to make the exact same thing for the exact same age group. Yeah, so. and a lot of it sucks. I don't know if you guys have seen This Is The End the, with Seth yes. Rogen and all of them. And that it's in, it's in the same genre in a way, you know, but it's got the, mm-hmm. but it's great, you know, and if it wasn't for 40-Year-Old Virgin, that wouldn't exist. So, Right. Exactly. So my number one, we're on number one now, right? We all did number two, correct? Okay. Right. Yeah, my number so. one yeah. is There Will Be Blood. <laughs> so oh, wow. that says a lot. I'm not surprised at that at all, Eric. I'm not surprised. <laughs> so that's why I said Me we'll be either. talking about that later. But <laughs> I was, yeah, I was curious about why it's. it's it, do you is is your number one an accurate number yeah. one or not at all? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's the it's the best film I've seen in the last 14 years for sure. It's uh, the the soundtrack, like Chris mentioned, um, that that. At the big, that Johnny Greenwood <laughs> weird dissonant 
thing at the beginning, um, the lack of dialogue for the first, I don't know how many minutes it is. It's like eight uh, minutes. It's like eight There's minutes. no dialogue. There's no dialogue. I'm sure. Um, um, Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing in just about everything he does, but he is really, really interesting and strange in this film. I think he's... Oh, my God, he's haunting. Yeah, he's haunting. You know, it's a no great question. parable parable for capitalism. You know, it, it deals with oil in, in interesting and strange ways. It deals with the frontier, in uh, which I think in, in kind of a... Uh, kind of a fresh way, I guess you could say. Um, you know, especially given religion. Winter. Yeah, religion. It's got it. It 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 deals with a lot of um, the big big subjects, and it does it in a way that just kind of keeps you. It's slow, it's sparse, but it keeps you on. I won't I won't say on the edge of your seat necessarily, but you know, it keeps you it keeps you engaged. Um, and it's, uh, it's a great film. Cinemat- the cinematography is gorgeous. The sound design is amazing. The sound, you know, the the the, the score is is incredible. And uh, I can't say enough about that. But yeah, yeah, Nick, it's it's an accurate number one. As far as unless there's something that I love that I'm forgetting, <laughs> there will be blood. Is something I can watch over and over and over again and yeah. just get more and more out of. That's a great choice. And I can say the same thing about my number one. I can watch it over and over and over again and get more out of. Yep. So uh, you want to go last, Nick? So Chris, yes. Okay, um, my number one. Um, hope hopefully people won't, won't won't yell at me because it's a uh, it's a it's a Disney film. Mm-hmm. However, that I, I'm going to qualify that it is um, the best, uh, most poignant Disney film that they've done probably almost ever, which is bold, but I'd say definitely within the last thirty five forty years, and that's Wally. Mm, oh, I thought you were yeah. going to say Frozen. Wally. Frozen. No. <laughs> Let it go. No, Let no. it go. Wally is genius. I can sing that, yes. that damn soundtrack backwards in my head, and a lot of that because, is because I have a, a three, almost four-year-old, mm-hmm. um, which is hard to believe. But, uh, no, I mean, Fro- Frozen was cute. Uh, Wally was profound. Yeah, I was, I was joking. Wally was <laughs> – uh, I know, I know. Uh, Wally was profound. Uh, again, almost no dialogue in the whole film until uh, the end. It oh, deals with a profound social issue dealing with environmental issues. I am a huge environmentalist. So this film, um, it, it, it hit all the right notes. And it, you know, and the funny thing is I don't even call it a Disney film because it's so socially relevant and so, um, so important that it, it, it's, it's almost like you want to look at this film. And it's like, how did, how did Disney ever make this? How did, how did they, how did such a, 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 a silly studio uh, for lack of a better phrase uh mickey mouse studio make such a powerful film but they did um and and maybe you know maybe that's why a lot of people don't talk about wally um as you know it, it's it's not frozen it's 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 not tangled it doesn't have snappy musical numbers and i love snappy musical numbers you're talking to the king of them i love them <laughs> but uh i do i mean i i you know i do but boy Wally was so good, and there's this. Also, uh, I, I watched this uh, really great documentary in which they talk about um, the sound design, uh, and you know who. Oh, and Thomas Newman's score. Huh? And I, I, yes, of course, I love Thomas Newman's score. Yes, it was not done by A. R. Rahman; it was mm-hmm. done by Thomas Newman, and mm-hmm. it was a very good score. So that's my number one. Disney's I thought you were going to say Up at first because uh, in your build up to it because Up 
uh, Up probably has the most devastating montage next to like the Odessa step sequence that I've yeah. ever seen. Oh my in my God, that montage! It, I, I, um, I, I am not ashamed to say that I cry every time. Oh yeah, no, it's just it's, it's fucking brutal. You know, with Up, uh, people told me I was gonna cry, and I was like, okay, well, I'm prepared for this, you know. And I watched it, and I was bawling. <laughs> it was even though I was prepared. Yeah, yeah I, Up was on my honorable mention. It was on, it was on the list before I Up is yeah. Up is an all but, my, uh, is definitely an honorable mention. Uh, but Michael when you Giotino's said Wally, score. yeah, I I think Wally is. You said it hits all the right notes, and I think that's probably the best way to put it it's it's so perfect in its in its inception and conception and it's just it, you know wally's great and i didn't see it until a couple of years after it came out yeah i saw um, i saw it. and i saw it in the theater but i haven't seen it since i liked it it's sort of just a, such a, a wonderful it's tribute uh, yeah, it's to, a good one. to keaton and chaplin and you know and and hal roach and and max senate that 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 first silent hour or so and the characterization of these of of, of wally and oh and what's the uh wally the, 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 well um, there's eve wally and eve, eve thank eve. you yeah i couldn't think of her name eve. eve yes and eve it's just it tugs at the heartstrings it's so good well and you had the sound design done by um uh ben burt who was the sound designer for star wars oh right on yeah so yeah, i mean really really good pedigree there so. very good that's well, nice. nice choice, Chris. So, thank you. What is yours, Nick? Mine is uh, overlapped with uh, Eric. Um, it is. You want to take a guess, Eric? It's overlap. Oh, it's on an overlap. So, it, so it's not yeah. something with Maggie Gyllenhaal or anything like that. Um, it's not something uh, with West, directed by Wes yeah. Anderson. Oh well, no. Wes and and Maggie are working on a project right now. You know, speaking of which, I'm surprised none of us had Batman on, like Dark Knight or Batman Begins. I'm surprised we didn't have that on there. Watchmen, even. I don't have a single superhero. None of us do. So it's an overlap, huh? Well, let me look at my Mm. list. I don't know if it's going to be an overlap with me or with Chris, but um, (laughs) it um. Is it Django Unchained? Is it nope. Pan's Labyrinth? It's, it's one of Chris's. No, friends. no, I'll right, just tell you guys. <laughs> no, it's 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 Inception. Oh, it, Inception, I'm not surprised. Inception to me, I've watched it. I don't know, probably eight or nine times now, maybe close to double digits, and um. I, I still, it's it's like Citizen Kane for me. It's like in, in this in the strict sense that I do see something diff, new and different, and discover something about it every time I watch it. It's funny. I was just talking with Steve Shaviro. We were driving the other night, dropping him off from an event, and we were talking about Inception. And you know, he he's, he's just a, a door science fiction, and he didn't get into it as much as I did. You know, although he liked it, it just didn't speak to him. But I think there's just something so I don't know important to me in that film uh it's hard to really put my finger on but i love everything about it i love how it's his guilt that powers the whole film you know and 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 by extension therefore it's love even though you have this sort of like um surface uh notions of capitalism and uh, that are driving the narrative in terms of trying to get somebody to take a part and disband their father's empire monopoly whatever it is but it's it's really all that it's just sort of window dressing for the the powerful really powerful 
plotting and story that go on with the dreams within dreams within dreams and how how the subconscious works in that film and and uh the Hans Zimmer's score the art direction the general aesthetic of the film every single little thing about it the acting the script the plotting it, to me it's sort of like it's the 21st century sort of condensed down to one film i think it's just perfect oh no is eric again we lost him so the last thing i the last thing i well, we did get, last thing i heard was at least chris nick was about to announce his first and he goes it's it's and then my connection dropped okay so here's the beautiful part is we i've re- i've recorded my entire uh thing okay. for inception cool. it's so it's totally inception. usable okay. so you can just yeah. you know it's uh, you can just respond right now. It's Inception, so you can just respond to it, Chris. You guys can just oh, officially Inception. respond right now. I should have known. Of course, I should have known. Inception. Not yeah. surprised at it's all good. here. It's a good movie. <laughs> it is a good movie. You, yeah, it's um. I still don't understand it. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand what happens at the end, but I don't really care either. But I've got that oh. down. Do you? Okay. After ni- after nine or ten viewings, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I always figured like it didn't really matter <laughs> in a way, but there's only one thing that's I think unclear after nine or ten viewings, and yeah. that's um, and that's this this sort of suggestion that that um, Maul might have been like um, sexually abused or raped or because you remember that little house that she's got, yeah, she's got a she's got that safe in there with with something locked away. She actually winds up putting her totem in there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's it's unclear, but they refer back to that house as being something that basically where some something dark had happened, yeah. dark and bad, sinister. So, but the, it, it, you know, it's not really clearly defined or spelled out. And I, other than that, though, yeah, I mean, it's pretty pretty airtight narrative. Somebody did once go on to talk about how there is one little plot hole, but and I and I agree, there is one, but I don't I don't give a fuck. Okay. All right. Oh man, I remember when I first saw Inception. It was uh, I saw it in the theater, and it was uh, it really blew me away, man. That the uh, the, the first scene hooked me, you know. And oh god, you know. Man. And after that, I was in, and it just got better from there. Um, yeah. On reviewings, I found like the the parts in the snowy place are kind of mm-hmm. they tend to drag a tiny bit for me, you know. But um, but I love the layers, so it doesn't really matter. That's a great film. It's such a good yes. film, man. It's such a good film. So I go nuts for the wardrobe in that too. Every time I watch oh, yeah. it, I'm like, I want that jacket. I want that sport coat. I want those <laughs> pants. Because it's just like the most amazing, amazing wardrobe and costume design. I yeah. liked Inception as well. I I yeah. thought it was a great film. Great. I'm kind of with Eric at where yeah I liked it. I need to see it a few more times to fully understand it. But, yeah. um, I would say for me, yeah, it came. I chose it as number one because it came to define a, a sort of like a 21st century sensibility or even approach or aesthetic, mm-hmm. you know, and and that right. I've kind of held other films up to that in that, and of course the parable for cinema that's sort of yes inherent to the yeah. film itself. Yeah. I think that level is really important. The the whole idea that it's yeah. a parable for cinema and the viewing experience mm-hmm. itself and, mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, I agree yeah. completely. So yeah, great, good. This is uh, I think, you know, none of us objected to anybody's <laughs> top ten. We were like, are you crazy? So no, that's good, no. right? Yeah. I would like to sort of take this opportunity just to rattle off my honorable mentions though, right, real cool. quick, um, and then you, we can all do that if you like. Uh, for me, 
I said that there were a couple of givens. I didn't put the Harry Potter franchise or the Lord of the Rings franchise in mm. here because I almost kind of like they were automatics for me that they were just so so they were the dominant f- films of the of the first 10 years I think so um I just didn't include them. For me the honorable mentions were actually Skyfall, Gravity and Under the Skin. Mm. Those were my yeah. those were my three. Skyfall, Gravity and Under the Skin. Yeah, I would just say my. I mean, I, I had to put Blue Valentine in mind. Actually, now that you guys have mentioned mm-hmm. it, um, Brick. Um, oh, Brick! Yeah. I love Brick so much. And <laughs> um, I don't know. That's about it for me. What about you, Chris? Uh, my honorable mentions: uh, Skyfall would be uh, would be definitely in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber mm-hmm. of Fleet Street, uh, would definitely be in there. Um, God, I know I'm, I know I'm probably forgetting yeah. others, but it's okay. We, that, we, that, we just went through ten apiece, so <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. We might as well so. uh... cut. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm.